Welcome back to Direct Response Secrets. I'm your host, Zachary J. Radford, and today I have an amazing guest and episode for you. We have the one, the only, Brian Kurtz on the show. If you don't know who Brian is, other than my mentor, just Google him. He is literally a direct response marketing royalty. Uh, he helped build uh, a company called Boardroom, a small little company that said uh, 1.3 billion direct response mail pieces, netting hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. Uh, in this episode, we talk about his philosophy about marketing, how he came up, how he looks and views at the world of marketing back then and today, and how you can apply that to your business. All right, grab your tea, your coffee, your water, your seat, your pad of paper. Let's go. Tons of nuggets are dropped in this episode. So let's go get them. I'll see you in there. What if I could show you how to turn your email list into a six figure plus sellable asset without having to lift a finger? I want to introduce you to a concept and an opportunity that I've created called an impact letter. What's an impact letter? An impact letter is essentially a newsletter that doesn't suck. Most newsletters we know sit there, nobody opens them, low engagement, low click through rate, super boring. So what I've done is I've taken all the things that I've learned over my career and installed them into newsletters and I call them impact letters. And that gives you more engagement, that gives you clicks and that gives you sales. And I've done this for some of the biggest names of marketing from Scott Olford who owns scottolford.com and Wisdom Media and Leanna Ling who owns adskills.com. You need to check this out. If you're remotely interested and you have a list over 5,000 people, I want to help you win. Click the link down below in this show and I will show you exactly how to grow and scale this. All right. See you in the episode. Let's go. All right. Welcome back to the episode. I have an amazing guest, as mentioned, Brian Kurtz. Brian, welcome to the episode. Thanks, Zach. I'm really happy to be here as, you know, sometimes I don't get an opportunity I mean, I'm on. I, I've done a lot of podcasts and a lot of interviews over the over my career, but when it's from when someone who has been part of my my inner circle of sorts, yes, um, when I say that, it's sort of like people who are in my masterminds, people who are we'll say studying with me and being part of of you know. I hate the word used. I, I like the word tribe, but it's. It's not politically correct anymore, which is crazy. Oh, really? I would. Yeah. Oh, I can I, see I love why. The but, but I am a part of your tribe. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so you know, and I've I've watched you from the beginning of when you joined my mastermind, and I've just watched you just grow, and 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 so the, and then and you recently sent me your book, which I still owe you a, an endorsement for. I'll do it after this interview because I'm going to find out new stuff about you too. Yes. This yes, interview. Of course. But I I, I just um. I, I this is special for me, just so you know. It's uh, sort of like I hate to call you a student because I'm a student. Um, I'm also right. I mean, that's a fair title. I'll take it, <laughs> but I'll take it for myself too because we're all yes. students. And and the day that you stop learning is the day we're going to die. Yes. And so if you're learning up until the grave, that means you're a student for life. You're a lifelong learner, and so we're both that way. But yes. you are a student from my from my group. And so I know I, and I can learn a lot from you just by reading your book. So um, uh, I'm just really, I'm really happy to be here. with Well, you. I appreciate that, Brian. That means a lot coming from you and the amount that I have learned in that group. And it is grossly underpriced for what you deliver. That is for sure. It's 10 X the value, a thousand X. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, every time someone doesn't renew, I don't take it personally. Yeah. But, you know, it's a $2,000 a year mastermind with 30 live calls with you know um uh i i give away swipe files i i do the guests uh, that you give yeah, us access speakers, to it's yeah, dan kennedy last year yeah, yeah. Odd. like it's insane but you know people you know I, look two thousand dollars is a lot of money to some people yeah and it's it's nothing to other people and it's yeah. not the money but it's like the value add into your into your life and your career. And I know the Titan yes. Accelerator is an exponential mastermind. And I'm glad that I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I'm glad that you're getting a lot out of it. 
And you even said in your inscription in your book, which I, it warmed my heart. You said, this book could not have happened if I was not a Titan. Yes, sir. Um, I learned so much from you. I will continue to do so. So that, that meant, that meant as much to me as anything. I appreciate that. that you know, right. The like inspired, the, 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 the mastermind inspired you to write the book. It's true. And some of the greatest connections I have in my life right now are coming from that mastermind. I've literally interviewed uh, at least 20 members. Like we just had Candace on, we had like a whole bunch of people filled. Oh, like it, it's been uh, amazing. And it, this podcast for me, the goal has just been to connect with people and understand and have that genuine connection and learn. And uh, like talk about that lifelong learner, a podcast is perfect for that because you can just have guests on, put their interests first and and put all my stuff away. And just like, I literally got my pen and paper here. I'm ready. No, it's, it's, sort of, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, you know, the, the podcast guest thinks, oh, I'm, I'm the guest, you know, I'm important. And yeah. if, as the host, you, you know, you got, you're, you're getting so much. Oh, it's amazing. From each guest. Yeah. It's a, but it's a great, it's a great, it's a great format too. We've got people inside Titans Accelerator who actually, you know, um, do podcasts for other people um, like Jeremy Weiss. And, you know, Huge. he's going to be doing some stuff with me um, because I've always been a podcast guest, but being a podcast host on side of the it's the other side of the desk and it's oh that's gonna be amazing because your network is is massive right you got a lot of big players you could have a lot of great guests and you could really have some solid conversation i'm gonna do a lazy man's way to a podcast i'm gonna <laughs> I like, that's my style i got like 10 questions here and the rest we're just gonna talk <laughs> but no but when i say lazy what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take like segments of the titans accelerator calls oh really like 10 minute like mini pods with maybe oh. an intro and an outro. So they won't, I won't have to re-record everything. Ah, that's like the ultimate hack, right? Make, uh, getting more out of what you already have. And that's exactly. And, 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 and therefore, I mean, my goal is to sell more memberships into Titans Accelerator. Yes. So why not show them what it's about? Because yes. being inside is the best. It's like trying it before you buy it. And as a fellow Titan, I would highly recommend everybody check you out. And I'll make sure to include all of those links. I cannot stress enough how valuable that two thousand dollars and i got a white hat somewhere around here now so it's official i'm i'm almost there <laughs> i don't know how long have you guys been around in total in titans accelerator yes titans accelerator has been um we're on we're on the fifth we're starting the fifth year now so i'm going to my third year with you guys so just missed got, a couple of years you, you were you were the your rejuvenator is year three yes so yeah the hat right I did get the hat and it's really cool. And I see people on the call wearing the hat. I'm like, how do you get the hat? That's how you get <laughs> the <years>. hat. <laughs> Three years. Yeah. And and also you got a copy of the advertising solution. Yes. It's on my reading my, list. My first book. And and that, you know, that book is is fascinating because I did it with Craig Simpson, who is kind of a direct mail savant. But we we focused in on six legends of like, you know direct mail and, yeah. and advertising from mostly from the sixties and seventies. And it, it's interesting how the language of direct response marketing transcends the decades. I mean, yeah. one, one of the people we, we, we uh, profiled in that was um, uh, Claude Hopkins who wrote scientific advertising awesome. in 1923. I mean, Awesome. Scientific advertising in 1923. Claude Hopkins did. He was yeah. a direct marketer before his time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I noticed that like, uh, what I always say is that the human being doesn't change a whole lot. So that's a good thing. And so like what's worked then is going to work now. Exactly. And I think our job as marketers and people in direct response is just making it new and fancy again. Like <laughs> just keep reinvigorating it. Well, I think, I think, yeah, if you, if you have the, the fundamental core principles that's why in my second book, Over Deliver, I talked about, you know, the importance of original source. Mm -hmm. um, Perry Marshall and I did a, an interview on that. And, you know, the idea of like where babies come from is so it's so important mm -hmm. not to, not to be not from not for nostalgia and not for, oh, in the good old days, we did it better. None mm -hmm. of that. That's not my game at all. But my game is to teach the fundamentals, the foundation, because if you're sitting on a foundation, the house is going to be built a lot better. And then, you know, everything that's been built upon it and, and the best things and some amazing 
marketers. I mean, you know, Russell Brunson, you know, with ClickFunnels and mm -hmm. Jeff Walker with PLF and and Ryan Levesque with the, you know, Ask and Quiz Funnels. All of that, that's all built on a foundation of direct response marketing. Yes. And, and, and you know, in fact, Jeff Walker, when he, he the, the, the endorsement he gave me for the advertising solution was something like when I, when I realized when he, when he, when he um, in, invented PLF um, product launch formula, he <laughs> said, he realized that it was all about direct response marketing yes. and everything clicked. And so, yeah. And then of course, so that's chapter, chapter two of over deliver is, is original, the importance of original source. Chapter three is how paying postage made me a better marketer. Yes. And that says, okay, well, I'm not saying direct mail is for everybody. I'm not saying direct mail is the be all end all. Yes. However, if you could make it in direct mail with postage and printing and still getting an acceptable, it's a different beast, acceptable ROI, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to basically set you up in online marketing forever. Yeah. And one of the big mistakes that most on, that a lot of online marketers make is that they don't have the discipline because they think just throwing out an email campaign or throwing out something that doesn't cost them anything. Yes. Cost in quotation marks. It every time you you advertise, anytime you put something in front of a prospect or a, a potential buyer, that's funny. There's a cost. There's a cost. I agree. I agree. And it's so funny because as marketers, this is what I see a lot of people doing is that they spend the time to create the thing. And they're really excited about it and they're doing all their marketing. And then they're like, oh, we need to send an email to let the list know. And they put two seconds into that email <laughs> and it's like, no, that's your first interaction there. Right. Like, you could right. really take the time to have a great I, I realized this. Um, we had a speaker in one of the early Titans Accelerator calls and he was an expert in SMS marketing, text marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was... Um, um, it's it's Chad uh, Chad Collins. I don't know if you know him. And, uh, no, I'll check him out. Um, so so he so, but he talked about um, you know the idea of a text message. If going out with a text marketing message, you realize that almost you'll get almost a hundred percent open rate, whatever yes. an open rate is to a text. This, and if you blow that. Yes. You're not going to get a second open. It'll go from 100 to no. zero immediately. Yeah. And so that's really takes the discipline of of knowing what you're saying, how you're saying it. Are you selling like a thousand dollar product on a first text? Well, that's a mistake. Yeah, you know? for sure. You know, so there, there are there. Are, and, and so that's when I really I always knew that, you know, that the the discipline and 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 your messaging being super important, especially the first message, and it's accentuated when I heard this presentation about text messaging, and and it just brought it all home, and I thought that was wonderful. It it makes total sense, and I, I think that uh, people just don't pay enough attention to that, because to them it's the last piece, right? Like they're like we've done all this hard work, now we just have to get it out, but that's very important that first initial contact. I kind of want to go back a little bit and understand a little bit how how you got started in marketing and direct response as a whole. I know you're at Boardroom. I know you guys made hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I know you guys sent billions of, of pieces of mail. H how did that all happen, Brian? I'm not going to say by accident, but you know, <laughs> a lot of people, especially when when I started in direct marketing, um, most people kind of fall into it. Because basically, you know, in the 60s and 70s, it was advertising, more general advertising, mm -hmm. direct marketing, which is measurable advertising, accountable advertising, getting an ROI on everything you buy in media and, and everything you do was not the exception, but it was it, it, the people who were doing it were exceptional advertising people. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, when when you're in college, I, I graduated college in 1980. And when I graduated college, you know, I had a marketing class in college. There was one sentence about direct marketing, maybe in the textbook. And it was all about, you know, image advertising and you know, yeah. general advertising. So, you know, when you go into a career, it's it's like I'm going to go into a career in advertising 
and you don't even know what direct marketing is. So that's why so many people in the 1980s, especially when I got into the business, kind of fell into it. So mm-hmm. I fell into it in a in a in a in an interesting way because I but it, I, I don't want to say nothing. There are no accidents because if you're if you're a conscious human being, mm-hmm. take attention to what's going on around you. Things are going to happen for you. Um, yeah. And I believe that about me and I believe it about anybody who's ever been successful, whether in marketing or in anything. Mm-hmm. Being aware, being mindful of everything around you. So that that's number one. So I, I came out of I came out of college with an Eng, I was an English major. I thought I was going to be a writer of some sort. I thought I was going to be a film critic at one point. <laughs> I thought I was going to be an English professor at one point. But I didn't do any of those things. I got out of college and I walked the streets of New York looking for a job. Like I went door to door, basically, yeah. to publishing companies and any. I went, there's a book called the literary marketplace. I'm sure it's still around online, of course. Um, And it was a big book. I went to the library and I just mapped out my days on the streets of New York city, dropping off my resume at all these publishing companies, which led to a lot of wallpaper in terms of rejection letters. we (laughs) we, we, We love, we love your background, but there's no jobs available. How do they love my background? I'm I'm like, uh, I just graduated college, <laughs> English major. I got yeah, they're just blowing smoke at that point. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, but eventually, one of one of the one of the companies that I that I walked into was a play publisher. Actually, I went to some headhunters too, specializing in publishing. And I got I so I got a job. Um, first of all, I got a job at at a play publisher. They publish you know scripts for for plays. Mm-hmm. Samuel French. They're probably still around, and they mm-hmm. also did the royalty rights for the plays. So if you want to, if you're a high school in Dallas, Texas, and you want to put on a, 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 a production of The Odd Couple, mm. you have to pay Samuel French a royalty for every performance that you do, like $50 or $25 for the second performance. Oh, that's cool. And they, they sell you the scripts for the, for the cast. That was their business. <laughs> they were basically a collection agency for for play authors and people who, you know, own the rights, the intellectual property for plays. That was the job I got off the street for $9,600 a year. Um, <laughs> now, and so, but there was a headhunter I went to and this headhunter had been supplying people to boardroom. Now boardroom reports at the time it was called boardroom reports, not boardroom Inc. Mm-hmm. was a newsletter publisher. Um, run of the founder was a guy named Marty Edelston, who was just a, he wasn't. He was just a, a hardworking guy from New Jersey. He mm-hmm. he started this newsletter called Boardroom Reports. He had he he basically knew that there was like one significant chapter in every book that was worthwhile, or there was one expert in everything that you can get the ultimate expert in everything. So he interviewed those experts, and he didn't want to tell you. He he said he wanted to compete against against you know Forbes, Fortune. Um, and the Wall Street Journal, because they didn't tell you how to run a business. He wanted yeah. to teach people how to run a business. So that was his goal in starting Boardroom Reports. So he had this newsletter company, this 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 uh, headhunter interviewed me. And he, actually, I, I went to see him like February of my senior year of college. I, was, I wasn't graduating until May. And he said, well, come back to me when you graduate. But I have some this guy I think will love you. He he saw it. He saw that I'd be a match for Martin mm. for some reason. And so I got the job at Samuel French after I graduated. And then a few months later, like six months later, there was a job opening at Boardroom. It was it wasn't an editorial. It wasn't in what I thought I was going to do, which was right. Yeah. It was in um, list in-house list management. What the hell is that? You know, <laughs> and I said, yeah. you know, and I, I, I interviewed for the job. I didn't understand what the hell the woman was talking about. But within a I mean, I wanted the job because I wanted to get into the company. Yeah. So it was a growing entrepreneurial company, a learning organization, because Marty was a lifelong, before you hit record, you were talking about being a lifelong learner. Yes. Marty was just that. And so I, so list management for direct mail were the people that represent lists to mailers who are going to mail lists for their promotions. So 
Boardroom had subscribers to Boardroom Reports and then another newsletter they had just launched. And they had book buyer lists as well. We sold some books. And they were great lists because they were people who were affluent executives. Mm-hmm. They were they they only bought through direct mail. Um, in some cases, they paid cash with order. So they were like mail order junkies who were buyers. How good is that? Amazing. But I found out when <laughs> I got there, everybody used the boardroom lists because like everybody from the obvious, like Money Magazine mm-hmm. and financial publishers to catalogers to fundraisers to the National Republican Senatorial wow. Committee. And so I just stepped in it. I just stepped in it. This is the the luck of it. But yeah. it was that I was looking for something. I was looking for a company. I was looking for a an environment. And I stepped in it. I did it. I I I, I was selling lists, renting lists in this direct marketing community. Mm-hmm. And I quickly became I, I, I just it was like a, I, I was it was like I just loved doing it. But then the interesting thing, and this is important because it's a crossroads moment that we all get to early in our careers. And yes. so I was there for two years and a job opened up in the editorial department and I was rocking it in list management. I mean, the competition was not that stiff. Yeah. Like I can safely say that after four or five years, I was the best, not, not after two years, but after four or five years, I was probably the best list manager in the industry. Mm-hmm. More because the competition wasn't stiff than I was so intelligent. But I understood sure. the business. And then I found angles that made more sense to represent the list than just giving out data cards on lists. So anyway, the two-year point, though, a job opened up in the editorial department. And I went to Marty and I said, I want that job. I've always wanted to be an editor. And, you know... After two years, more I didn't know him that well, but he had he he took me under his wing. He kind mm-hmm. of saw me as with a lot of potential. And this one sentence he said, two sentences that changed my career at that point. He said, "Brian, I can tell you have a nose for marketing. Stay where you are." Now, when the president of a company tells you you're 23 years old, yep. tells you that, you got to believe it, right? Mm-hmm. So. And at that moment, that sort of, I said, I'm not going to be an editor, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, and um, I, it, my, my career just took off after that. I ended up being, I ended up leading into the marketing side of the business. I ended up being the marketing director, ended up being the EVP of marketing. I ended up after 10 years, got an equity position in the company. Wow. Um, and I ended up because Marty was, a, as I said, he was a lifelong learner which meant he always went to experts, the top experts in everything. So yeah. we had the best consultants, we had the best copywriters, nice. best media buyers. And yes. I'm just sitting there in the middle of all of it, yeah. soaking it up. I mean, I mean, we had we had we had people like, you know, not just the great copywriters like Gary yeah. and Jim Rutz and mm-hmm. and um but you know. Yeah, Eugene Schwartz. Eugene Schwartz was a a copywriter for us, and he became a mentor of mine. And of yeah, course, you know, 50, forty years later, I own the rights to Breakthrough Advertising. Yes, that's a story in itself. But I I do believe that you know, it, yeah, it was a little bit of right place, right time. But I soaked it up. I just I just yes. could. I was a, such a sponge for everything around me, and you know, forty. 40, um, <laughs> 42, 43 years later, I'm here. No, that's, that's phenomenal. There's so, there's so much there just of like, yeah, there's a part of that. That was a bit of luck uh, on your part, but at the same time, it, it's, you noticed the luck and you were like, okay, I'm going to work really, really hard to make this happen. And I can only imagine being in those halls and seeing all that great copy and everything flow through that place. It's, it's absolutely. At the time um, though, you don't even realize it, right? It's yeah. Like, you know, that I'm sitting next to in a cubicle <laughs> next to Mel Martin, who some people know, some people don't. Mel yeah. Martin was the secret weapon at boardroom. Any copywriter who's been around for 30, 40 years knows the name Mel Martin. He was the best fascination bullet writer. Um, he was he was just this guy, you know, chain smoking in the office. You can chain smoke <laughs> in the office in the 1980s. Yeah. Chain smoking 
you know, putting together copy and yeah. I didn't even realize what I was witnessing. I knew I was witnessing something good, you know, that the guy was just producing amazing copy. I didn't know, you know, sitting with Gene Schwartz, what that meant yeah. you know, at the time. I was just, I I, I love the guy. I, I learned so much from him, but you don't realize when, you, when you're in the middle of something that is historical. Yeah. For you, it's just your day-to-day life. And then you look back on it and go, wow, that was pretty incredible. But when you're in it, it's yeah. not like, it's just, it's just, it's just but you got to soak it up. You got to stay in the present. Yes. Uh, and, and so, and, and there was amazing stuff going through boardroom. Oh, I can only imagine like some of the campaigns and even if it was a, a flop, you probably would learn just as much of a success as on the success exactly. side, if not exactly. more. And, I recently watched that uh, Eugene's uh, secret tapes or, or whatever it is. I saw it on, on YouTube and his suggestion, I took like 10 pages of notes, but his suggestion was to watch uh, lethal weapon before writing coffee. <laughs> He's like, cause that's who your target market is. I thought that was so funny. And uh, I always quote him on uh, coffee's not written. It's compiled and it's assembled. It's, it's assembled. assembled. Right. Yes. Right. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting Gene Schwartz story, which will give your listeners some insight as to how, a world-class copywriter, marketer, behavior psychologist, how their mind works. But he, we used to give, like I, I went, I used to go to him to give him an assignment. So we had this big health book. I remember this one in particular, it was a big health book that Boardroom produced. They were like, it was a compilation of all the health articles that we did in our newsletters. And we compiled it into like a 500 page hardcover book. And I said to Gene, would you write a package for it? So I hand him the book and he, and his first question was, Brian, tell me what's not in the book. And I'm like, what's not in the book. And basically what he was saying was that this, this book is obviously it's 500 pages. It's been researched by the boardroom editors. I'm sure there's good stuff in there that I can write copy for. However, I'll bet that there's stuff that's not in the book that was rejected for some reason when it was originally presented to the newsletter editors before it got to the book. And they rejected it because it's too off the wall. It's too uh, Mm -hmm. risky. It's too controversial. And he wants to know those articles. Now, not not to say that he's going to write copy for something that's irresponsible, Mm -hmm. that's something that is illegal, Mm -hmm. but he wants to find, and, and I learned this time and time again with my copywriters because they would constantly push that envelope mm-hmm. on our editors to find the stuff that no one else is talking about. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, right? The most 100%. engaging copy that you're going to write is going to come from the most engaging, controversial content. Yes. Do you feel stuck in your business? Like no matter what you try, you just can't get anything out? Well, you're not alone. And the only way to really break through that and get to where you wanna go faster is through a mentor. And on today's episode, I have my mentor here, Brian Kurtz. And Brian has a program that would make perfect sense for you. I'm there, there's other amazing marketing people there, and we get the likes of Dan Kennedy, Ben Settle, and so many other, Joe Polish, so many A-plus marketers come into this group and share value and the cost for the, it's an absolute fraction of, of what it's worth. And it's so, so worth it. It's called Titans Accelerator. And I put a link down below. I highly recommend you check it out. It'll help you grow your business and get to where you want to be faster. All right, back to the show. Sometimes the content, you can't back it up with a study. So you can't write about it. Or you can't back it up with anything that's legitimate. Yeah. But sometimes you can back it up with some, if it's not going to hurt people, and cause harm, and you can make a case for it in some cases that it might be effective, that might be good enough. So he was basically saying to me, you know, go back and 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 find out what's not in the book that we might get get into the book, yeah. with additional information or research. That that just that just blew me away. Yeah. And, and it, it was a theme that came up a lot over yeah. after that with other copywriters who learned from Gene the same principle. And that's why he said he assembled copy. He needed the content 
to basically assemble his copy from the content. It's like you're 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 re-engineering. You have yeah. there's there's a the, the one of the most famous um fascinations we ever did was on the outer envelope for bottom line personal. And 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 the bullet point was what never to eat on an airplane. Now that we, we got that. That was from Mel Martin, but Mel read something in bottom line and it said you know when you when you travel in, in an airplane you know you, you, in air travel you really shouldn't eat on an airplane because it's gonna it's gonna call it's gonna change your i don't know it was it was it all had to do with your metabolism and yeah so he reversed that into what never to eat on an airplane the answer is nothing <laughs> you know yeah. what never eat on an airplane is yeah. nothing and so the answer, the payoff is not as good as the fascination, yeah. but fascination sold hundreds of thousands of subscriptions by basically enticing the reader that there's an answer to this and we've got the answer for you. And it's funny how these things can come uh, to the public view. So I used to work in my younger years at a furniture store and I used to sell furniture. And anytime there was any type of like bed bug special on TV, the phone would ring off the hook the next day. Right. Do you have any uh, mattress toppers? Do you have any? It's just funny how that works. So he just kind of like tapped into what everybody was already thinking and wondering about. And and, and that's, and that you mentioned that in your book, you know, referring to, you know, breakthrough advertising, Gene Schwartz and, you know, levels of awareness and levels of, yeah. So, you know, are, are they problem aware? Are they solution aware? Yeah. You know, um, if, if, are they, uh, do they know you? Do they know the brand? Do they, you know, there's, there's so many aspects and, and the messaging has to match it. Um, otherwise you're going, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you know, shouting into the wind. Cause it's like a puzzle piece, right? Like you're trying to put all the pieces together and you want to make sure that you have all the pieces to even play the game. And I don't even think anybody like most entrepreneurs do not think about their business at that level. They're really product focused, trying to get that out. Into right. Right. And I, I, I teach to even today, not because I was a, I was a list manager as my first job in the business. Yeah. I'm this guy. And to me, yeah. you know, if you look at the three legged stool of marketing, um, direct marketing, there's, there was a, you can, you can, you can Google this kind of I'll, stuff. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But but the three lay and I, I I have this in my book over deliver. There's there was a there's a a theory in direct marketing that that the that um the three legged stool is is list, offer, and and messaging creative. Mm-hmm. And so it says that forty percent of this the success of your campaign depends 40% on your list 40 or your media 40% on the offer and 20% on the creative and i picked that apart um to for for a purpose and it was that i turned it into the 41 39 20 rule <laughs> and i made 41% the list because if you don't have the list right the market yes. right then doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what your offer is or what your yeah. you the best creative the best offer to the wrong audience zero orders the reverse though yeah true the reverse says that if you have the perfect audience for what you're selling and you come up with a crummy offer yeah mediocre copy yeah you'll at least make some sales (laughs) then you take the three-legged suit it's got it's got to have all three legs right yeah so you need to still develop the offer and develop the copy and the interesting thing is that the copy and the messaging being 20% to 40% to 39 and, and 41. It's like half as important. Well, it's the least important until it's not. Yeah. Prove that time and time again, because once we had the list dialed in, the offer dialed in, the creative and the messaging became the most important because yeah. every big lift in my career, like we had, we got lifts from price and offer and little tweaks and all that. You get mm-hmm. 20, 30% lifts. Mm-hmm. Biggest lifts, the, the 100% lifts and the 200% lifts all came from new creator, from a new copywriter uh, uh, using the lists and the offers that had already been created. And so I proved it on the battlefield mm-hmm. that the creative is the least important until it's not. And mm-hmm. then it's most most important. And using the three-legged stool as sort of a a roadmap 
to marketing and promotion was one of the most useful things that I learned early on mm-hmm. based on the fact that it was the 40-40-20 rule. And then I converted it to the 41-39-20 rule. And, and when you think about it today, you know, the media and the list is always, always, always first and foremost. It's yeah. not that it can stand on its own either because, you know, it, and that's why a lot of, a lot of like um, um, online marketers have quick success because they get into say affiliate marketing where they have a list that might be somewhat related mm-hmm. to what they're selling and they make a deal for an affiliate deal or they go on ClickBank in an affiliate network. They are able to sell some product there with horrible offers, horrible copy. <laughs> yes, they yes. make some money yes. and, and they get spoiled and they want to make more money. But yes. that's, not, that's not a business. That's a product. No. I mean, um, John Carlton once said, great copywriter, he said, a promotion is not a business. hundred percent. And and then a product is not a business either. A business, that's why Over Deliver, my book, the subtitle is how to build a business for the long, for the long, um, I want to get it right. It's, I literally have two copies it's, it's, on the it's, shelf it's, here. It's building a business for a lifetime, playing the long game in direct response marketing. Mm-hmm. You're playing a long game. You're playing a game of renewals. You're playing a game of lifetime value. You're yes. playing a game that is so much different than one hit wonders. You can make money doing one hit wonders. A lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. have businesses, the infomercial business. A lot of it was based on one hit wonders. But if you have an infomercial based on direct marketing principles, you have a business for a lifetime. A hundred percent. When you were doing the list stuff, was there one thing like, did you have one trick that really worked for segmenting that list? Or was there one thing that you really learned that was kind of exciting, like repeat buyers? Or did you have something that was like, it's not, there's, there, it's not a trick. It's no, it's, um, no it's, it's, um, I would, it's basically consistency the, and experience and learning. No, no, it's, it's, it's RFM. It's RFM. Oh, okay, yes. RFM is is not a is not a trick. It's not a it's not a tactic. It's not a it's math. It's not even it? a rule of thumb. It's how it's how people behave in the marketplace. And what RFM says is that R is for recency. A, a person who who responds more recently is more valuable than someone who hasn't responded recently. Mm-hmm. And that one didn't make sense when I first learned it in 1981 mm-hmm. because. What it, you know, you think about it, it, it with no experience in marketing and no exposure, you would say, well, someone who just bought isn't going to buy again because they just, you know, they're out of money. You know, that, yeah. that sort of like very simple thinking. Yeah. But it's just the opposite, of course. We know that <laughs> from upsells and cross sells and, yeah. and extension models and all of that. But recency has been around forever. Someone who yep. responds more recently is is more apt to respond again. Then mm-hmm. you combine that with the F, which is frequency. Now you got a, a two, that's one plus one equals three because mm-hmm. someone who's recent and they've already bought a bunch of times, that's that's a that's a golden that's the whale. That's a multi-buyer <laughs> yeah. and a multi-buyer who's recent. Then you add the M, which is monetary value, which is how much total have they spent with you. Now you've got those three things working. And that's sort of, it's sort of like a three-legged stool of segmentation, yeah. but it's, it's so, it's the most powerful thing. And actually, you know, I, I've done it in my, in with small businesses in my current career as, mm-hmm. as more of an educator and consultant with companies with names with a hundred names on them or a thousand names on them. Yeah. Also at boardroom, we did it with databases with 2 million names on them. Yeah. Now we didn't do the 2 million by hand. It was done yeah. by a statistician through what we call regression modeling. I'm not going to get into all the details on regression modeling. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Think, and, and it's not the same as a lookalike model on Facebook. Huh. Regression modeling is a deep model that takes into account the recency, frequency, and monetary values of every name on your list. And Something so, like an algorithm of sorts. Well, it's not really an algorithm. It's basically the... The, the behavioral characteristics, it's real behavioral characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's the transaction data or the engagement mm-hmm. data of mm-hmm. every single name on your list and the cream rises to the top and you can actually predict the next product to your list based on the past behavior 
and you can actually segment it and know where the response is going to fall off. I'm talking yeah. about mailing hundreds of thousands of names at a time. Yeah. With predictable response. Yeah. It's all based on RFM. It's all based on transaction data, recency, frequency, monetary. So, so there's nothing more powerful than that. Then other segmentation techniques are important too. There are, yeah. there are demographics. Like if you're selling a book, you know, if you're selling a book that's for women, you want to delete <laughs> men, right? Some that's of the basics. Yeah. You have to do age selects. You need to do, yeah. and then usually psychographic data is the least is the least indicative. Although yeah. most people think it's the most indicative because it says, well, you know, if I know, you know, someone who's interested in hunting, in hunting, I can sell guns to them. It doesn't always work that way. Interest, yeah. but if they bought a gun before. Yeah, they bought a knife before, and they might or buy one. <laughs> it's all on purchase collecting. It's all based on on so it's it's transactional. So you've seen, and I got to be aware of time here, and I just want to go quick for you. Um, you've seen a lot of trends come and go in the marketing world. I'm I'm a hundred percent on that. How do the basics apply nowadays uh, to people that are running like Facebook and Google Ads and all that stuff? It, it's I know the answer. I think I know the answer on my side. What does that look like to you? Well, it's all look, everything is applicable and and from the past. And applying it to all new media is something that you should do all the time. Yes. Um, so for instance, um, you know, let's say you're running a Facebook ad and it's a it's a ten dollar offer. You can't expect to make money on the first sale yes on a ten dollar offer I'm, I'm using a silly example just to no, but i i get it i get it and I, that's one of the biggest problems i used to see with advertisers is that oh my my ads aren't working and then you do the math and you're like well <laughs> no matter how good you are at facebook ads you can't make ma money magic not on the first year or yeah. not on the first order yes and the idea and that's where you know cross sell and upsell that we did yes room and now today with sophisticated they call them funnels. We had funnels back then too, but <laughs> the funnels and ascension programs and moving people up a ladder, yeah. those things are critical, but you need to be able to invest in that first buyer to know how much you can afford before they buy a second product or a second thing. And to try to break even on the first order, even if the media is cheap, even if it's free email, yeah. um, you know, there's a cost to everything. And so for sure. And people think it's so cheap. You know, email is cheap, and e yeah. and so is digital product. But you yeah, know I, I think on like the email stuff, and I already had mentioned it. But if you're going to take two seconds to write an email, like take take the day, write a nice email, send it, make sure it makes good, it makes sense, and it gets your message across because you're sending these to real human beings, even if it's free to send. You know what I mean? Like, yes, make yeah, sure the exactly. message is getting across. Nothing, nothing is free, and there there's yeah. a cost to everything. Yeah, 100%. So, and, and, you know, you, you send the wrong message to the wrong people. You're going to affect your open rates in the future. You're going to affect your engagement. It, more importantly, you're going to affect your engagement rates in the future. And therefore, you, you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to risk people who are buyers not being buyers anymore. So inappropriate mm -hmm. messaging, inappropriate offers, there's a cost to that. Even though you don't see it, when you send it, it's, it's embedded in, in the system. And in direct mail, when you're paying postage and printing, we knew that and we couldn't afford, you know, say, so this, is, this will sound ironic. We'd say we couldn't afford wasted mail when you're getting a 2% response rate. So 90% yeah. of the mail was technically wasted, but the segmentation that we did to get that 2% was so sophisticated that yeah. it created lifetime buyers. They weren't buying once from us. We had people on our, on our newsletter list for five, six, seven years. We had people who bought a book from us that bought seven or eight more books from us. That's the lifetime value. And that's the calculation you need to do when you're buying media and you're not just using organic media. You're not just doing affiliates. You're not just doing free media, yeah. um, organic media. And I'll tell you, Rich Sheffrin, one of the great marketers, um, he, he, always, he always said, and this is, he said this to me early on when I first met him. So this goes back and he'd say it today for sure. Talk about our rule of thumb. He said, you know, you know, you have a business when you pay for media, mm -hmm. some media, and you can make the money back at an acceptable rate. He doesn't say those exact words, but if yes. you, can, you can you can basically create a return on investment 
that's acceptable that you can afford to pay that media and get your money back at least break even and then yep. leading to future orders yes then you have a business yes. you're not selling products you're not yes. just doing promotions i, I think you that's a, a mindset too right like right it's like a- cash in cash out today and i see that so much in the marketplace that's transactional that's commodity exactly that's all that stuff there's but, uh, you know some people you know look if you're on a if you're on a on a, on a on, if you're bootstrapping a business you don't have a lot of cash your cash yeah. flow is tight it's hard it's hard to make yes. this argument but for the long haul you, you you start slow being patient i always say getting rich slowly <laughs> is not only more satisfying than getting rich quick yeah so it's gonna it's gonna basically be much more foundational for your career and for your business Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. And like, I could have asked you a thousand more questions and you yeah, answered like half my questions, it. man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's um, it's hard to do. You know, I, I podcasts are, are great and they're, they're good and bad at the same time. You don't get the full, you don't get the full, I'm not going to undress here, but you don't get the full mind. Um, <laughs> oh, that's and, good. <laughs> that's good. People will appreciate that. Yeah, uh, no, I appreciate that. And where can everybody find you? Where's the best spot to connect with Brian? Yeah, so the best place to go is is my is my site, which is a modest site. It's it's it looks like a, a glory, a glorified opt-in page, but there is a site behind it at BrianKurtz.net, B-R-I-A-N-K-U-R-T-Z.net. Um, I've got all my old blog posts in there going back 10 years, nine years. Cool. I've got products that I sell. I've got information on my masterminds and I got a lot of free content there. The blogs are all free. And if you're on, if you, if you opt into my, I, I don't even call it my list, a list guy who doesn't call it a list, <laughs> I call it my online family because lists are people too. Yes. And so um, you opt into my list, um, my online family. You'll get a weekly blog from me. Um, I tell stories about my career, but they all all with a lesson, all with, you know, hopefully they have meaning for people. And uh, I love doing that. And, and you know, I, my my book, Over Deliver, uh, you can buy that at overdeliverbook.com. And while the book might cost 20 bucks, there are bonuses on that page that are worth oh. thousands, some of them priceless. And yeah. stuff doesn't even isn't even in print anymore because I had I had to over deliver on my bonuses for a book called. Over- and you do you over deliver in absolutely every aspect. You're even your blog. You're you're selling it short. There's golden nuggets that I still pull from that blog on a regular basis. So thank you. You're very very welcome. But BrianKurtz.net is is the place to go, and you'll hear from me, and you'll hear from what I've got. I, I'm doing boot camps. I have a breakthrough advertising boot camp. I've done an over deliver boot camp. These are a week to two weeks of live calls. And then there's Titans Accelerator, which is what we started with, which you're a member of, yes. which is a $2,000 a year mastermind virtual. Um, and it's a great, it's a group of 250 heart-centered marketers, copywriters, agency owners, funnel builders, media buyers, all helping each other. And yeah. that's what my life's about. It's about, you know, it's about giving. It's about contributing to the industry. I'm, I'm not giving back. I mean- Dan Sullivan, who's the best coach for entrepreneurs in the world, says entrepreneurs don't have to give back because they never took anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but love that. But they just have to give. And and I'm I'm look I'm I'm I'll say I'm on the downside of my career because I'm older. Um, usually a lot of times I'm the oldest person in the room in rooms I enter. You're gonna live to your 130, Ryan. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. But I, I'm I'm but I'm 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 into contribution at this point. I'm in a contribution. Yeah. Um, not that I'm giving away everything for free, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm contributing to so, people to the industry, and that's that's where my life's at right now. That brings me to the last point, the last question I have for you. If you had some wise words to part on somebody who's earlier on in their journey, what would those words be, Brian? I, I I'll I'll do a quote that I've put. To, it's in Over Deliver, but it's um, everything in business and in life is not a revenue event. But everything in business and in life is a relationship event. Sounds kind of corny. It is so true. Now, I I always say, I always put the caveat on it that I only have 40 years of business experience to bank on that. So it's not a lot of time. <laughs> I don't have a good track record, right? Um, but over a 40-year career, the relationship building and the relationship capital you build is the most 
important bank account that you'll ever have. 100%. And the interest in it compounds. It's not like you're adding, pe- it's not adding people. That's not what relation of capital is yep. about. It's the cumul- cumulative effect and the compound interest that happens from it. And so that's a that's one of the big ones that I would, that, that I live my life on. I also Amazing. would say, and this is coming from someone who's 65 years old with a 40 plus year career. Um, I would say that you need to look at life being long. Um, chapter 10 of Over Deliver starts with the quote, life is long. It's kind of a take on life is short, right? Yeah. And the reason why I say life is long is that it's the only one you got. So you got to live it to the fullest. And so being impatient in marketing, for example, it, it'll it'll make you some money quicker. Yes. Not going to establish you. Now you could say, well, I may die. You know, it's sort of like Alexander Hamilton <laughs> in the show. Hamilton There's a song in there that says, why do you write like you're running out of time? Yeah. He's running out of time because he's going to get into a duel with Aaron Burr and die, you know, when he's 30 years old or whatever it was. Yeah. But, yeah. So he was writing like he was running out of time and he was developed. Yes. Stable of stuff. But I'm not saying you should take your time. Speed is important, but mm-hmm. you want to be, and you said quality of an email, spend an extra day, you know, 100%. Doing it. and that's the kind of, that's the kind of speed that I'm talking about as opposed to doing it like you're running out of time. And that's why I say life is long. Not yes. that you have all the time in the world to do everything, but you have more time than you think. It's like when I umpire, ba- one of my hobbies is umpiring baseball. Mm-hmm. I teach young umpires how to call plays on the field and behind the plate. I say, you have more time than you think to make that call. Mm-hmm. You need to wait when the, when the pitch comes in. You need to hit the catcher's mitt. One 1,000, two 1,000, strike. One 1,000, two 1,000, <laughs> call. Yeah. You call it too soon, you may call it wrong. Yes. It's a good, it's a good metaphor for the 100%. idea percent doing things too quickly. So those are some, that's the kind of that's beyond amazing. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I'll make sure to link to everything and I'll write everything out in great detail to show everybody uh, all these examples. Thanks for coming on. And uh, congrats on the book, Zach. Thank you, sir. Brian not only came he delivered, he conquered. It was such a pleasure to meet with him. And this was one of the hardest episodes that I've had to create because I had so many questions that I wanted to ask Brian. Um, like I had I had 10, I originally had 50 and I whittled them down to about 10 and I got a handful of them off. And I could talk to Brian about marketing for hours and hours, but I had to appreciate his time and hopefully you enjoyed this episode because if you did take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this, I appreciate you. This will allow me to bring on bigger and better guests just for you so you can grow and scale your business and get the results that you deserve. All right, I'll see you in the next one. Peace.